0: Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Zinati Kuma. Tackling your stock-related questions this evening are Tamsanga Neta from Shiloh Capital and Chantal Marks from FNB Wealth and Investments. Don't forget to send those questions via SMS to 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at BusinessDayTV using the hashtag Stockwatch. Thanks so much for your time, Chantal and Tammy. I am confused What are the market sentiments when it comes to the outlook on the Fed? Because the Fed is stressing how it needs to have more restrictive uh, policy, of course, amid still sky-high inflation and uh, strong uh, labor market and modest growth in spending and production. Does that still give a 50 basis point hike in December a chance? Chantelle?
1: So you're not the only person who's confused. The entire market is confused. I'm glad every single person who listened to that address took something out, something else out of it. Okay. I mean, he spoke about a higher terminal rate. He 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 spoke about saving the economy if it was going to <laughs> to get to that. Um, he spoke about. Um, inflation still being a problem, that yeah. hikes were still going to come, but that they'll probably be lower. So there was so much in that press conference. And what you're seeing today is just the fallout of investors simply not really knowing what he was trying to say. What we do know is interest rates will still increase. They are going to fight inflation. Um, and and I think that that is kind of the near-term takeaway. In terms of what what we can expect longer term um at least we know if everything's a disaster the fed will step in okay yeah all right i don't know tell me, what do you think uh, yeah
0: please tell me. what are your thoughts there um
2: i felt like i was listening to paul volcker uh, i think uh, the guy, the, i think what's 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 very clear is the fed although they're using a lot of fancy english has de- decided that uh they're gonna use rates to correct uh, certain fiscal and monetary imbalances. So they're going to continue to hike interest rates going forward. Uh, that has its political consequences and as well as economic ones. But uh, if, you, if you study the English quite a uh, lot, you might not catch the fact that the, the Fed has just decided. Yeah. They are after inflation, they're going to go for it. They're going to make sure that the, the economy is structurally sound, monetarily at the least, post their cycle. Um, so, so that's very clear. Yeah. Um, so, and we are expecting at least 50, fifty basis points in December, unless there's some interventions. I'm not too sure if they'll continue to intervene uh, in the financial markets as they've done before, um, which is why I feel like. Yeah. I,
0: thing to call for. <laughs> I mean, maybe they were confusing us with the English because it's also a few days before the midterm election, so they don't want any absolutes or anything like that. So we had the Bank of England actually also coming out with its own policy decision today, a 75 basis point hike, the biggest in 33 years. But I feel like their wording was actually more certain where... They were really just trying to tell the markets that they will be cognizant of the risks that um, tighter monetary policy will have on the economy. So do you think that, Chantal, we could then, moving forward, start to see a kind of divergence between the Fed and the Bank of England?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think the, the UK economy is in a lot of trouble. So if you look at the US economy, you do have, you've got high inflation, which is what the Fed is battling at the moment. But the jobs market is still quite buoyant, and um, nothing has fallen off a cliff yet. And um, in the UK, you have a completely different situation because you had this this massive reaction to Truss's crazy budget, um, and you already have a very jittery market. You've got an energy crisis, and um, that has resulted in very high energy costs further reducing the disposable income um, of of consumers, a hike in rates is going to kill that economy a lot faster, at least big hikes will. So they'll probably have to, and I don't want to use this word because it's it's like unprecedented during COVID-19, they'll probably have to pivot sooner than um, say the Fed. And you'll probably... You'll probably see something like that coming through in other economies that are not as strong as the US. I'm thinking specifically about the EU as well. Mm. Um,
0: tell me, do you think from the Bank of England we could see a pivot or a pause? Because they still are battling with inflation that's sitting at a 40 year high.
2: Um, so the, the Bank of England has got a couple of problems, uh, the biggest one being proximity to Russia uh the second being that they've detached themselves from the eu so it's going to be hard to negotiate any support for them going forward because the europeans are going to be like you opted out um so they've got a unique unique problem new leadership new prime minister new king high inflation high energy costs it's going to be a it's going to be a wild ride so i think i'm um, with Chantal, they're going to have to come up with the uh, as they deem extraordinary measures uh to deal with the situation because they have a very very different situation to to the u.s much the u.s much bigger economy can support itself internally especially energy-wise uh, the uk i think even employment-wise they need a lot of external input so it's going to be tough i think it's going to be a very hard ride for them going forward they'll need to embrace that right policies to sort of get back in order
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the questions for today. The first one is the panel's view on Hammerson. I was actually looking at that share price. And since is it the rights issue in 2020, Um, that share price seems to have gone nowhere. Um, Chantel, how are you thinking of of, of Hammerson right now?
1: So, Hammerson is an extremely risky investment still because you have your majority of exposure to UK retail. Where consumer consumer wallets are extremely strained, Um, they're mostly exposed to to kind of bigger shopping malls, and we know that there's been a shift towards online. Although feet are coming back into malls, Um, and and consumers are becoming more convenience focused around that as well. So so foot traffic hasn't been hasn't picked up to kind of pre pandemic levels and you do have a situation where they're still kind of battling to to settle their capital structure so i mean you'll have to you'll have to have um a lot of guts to to start getting involved now but i do think that eventually they should trade themselves out of the situation if you take a five to ten year view um i think you can start thinking about it uh, but I'm
0: still on the sidelines with that one. All right. Uh, Tamsanga, what's your view? I mean, uh, do you think it's worth a punt?
2: No. Uh, retailers are going to struggle a lot, especially with the supply side issues. Um, it's going to be difficult for them to sort of solve out of that. Uh, and hope is not a strategy when it comes to investment <laughs> yeah. markets. We, we, we would like... Uh, them trade out but the future of the UK the future of the UK consumption and as well as detaching from the EU creating new supply side issues um, uh, it's not a stock we will look at God. maybe you're short
0: ah uh, all right all right um there's one on a clinic sell now or wait until March
1: for a payout of your shares Chantal yeah so so there's a thing in investing called the opportunity cost Right? Wow. So when a company comes under offer and uh, it's more or less a done deal, but mm-hmm. they're still waiting for stuff to happen in between, uh, you might see the share trading at like a 2% discount or a 3% discount to the offer price. But if it takes a year for that deal to be finalized and for you to get your money, you're only going to get 3% and maybe, maybe save on brokerage. But in that time, you can invest in something that can give you um, much more. A money market instrument will give you more than, than MediClinic over the next year. Uh, uh, SA retail savings bond, 11.5%, hold on to your hats, that will give you more um, over the next year. And so to a variety of other um, investments, including a lot of attractive opportunities on the local stock market. Wow, ah, all right. Are you also on the same train, Tommy?
2: Yes. Uh, uh, copy and
0: all right i hear you all right we have a question here on the food producers tiger um brands management have not covered themselves in glory time to move to avi um yeah at this point um When it comes to food producers, because I know also the challenges that they face, but you do have, you know, um, some bright sparks in there. Do you kind of look at when choosing at these food producers now, how each of them are kind of navigating the the environment that they operate in or the management? Chantal.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's such a difficult one because these stocks are so extremely boring. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just joking. They're not. They're not that boring, but they've gone through an extremely boring phase, right? Yeah. You've had Tiger Brands with this huge portfolio doing absolutely mm. nothing to simplify it. Um, it's just kind of been trudging along, going from one crisis to the next. Um, and Avi, very conservative management team, um, also not doing a. a doing much to, to shake things up. So um, we know that they're facing constraints at the moment because inflation is quite high and these food producers tend to be price takers in, in times like that. They at least take some of the pain uh, from the retailers that they pass on to the consumer. Um, so so it's a, it's a difficult time. I prefer AVI personally. I think that Tiger Brands is so complex. There's so much that still needs to be done there. and. Until I get a clear sign that they're actually willing to do the work, um, I'd rather park my, my, my boring food producer cash in buy
0: <laughs> I mean, Tiger Brands did uh, come out recently with a good trading update and the markets actually reacted positively to that. So, I don't know. Tell me, do you look at Tiger Brands and do you look at that maybe the fundamentals are still all right? Or do you look at the cloud that, that's kind of been covering them for a while?
2: Yeah, uh, since since the Dangote situation, um, I don't think Tiger Brands has really covered in so, itself in glory. The management hasn't shown the market that they can actually operate the assets that they have in a profitable manner. Um, we want to invest in it. We we believe that it's got great assets, but as Chantal said previously, opportunity cost. Um, we we look at the alternative food producers out there. Uh, you'd sooner have your money there than in Tiger. Um, the risk of uh, poor management decisions too great.
0: Yeah, uh, and Lipstar, um, Chantal, and Tammy. So starting with you, Chantal, would that be one that you'd be also looking at in that space?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there are a few, right? We've got five listed food producers in, in South Africa. Um, Lipstar also has, has a very similar problem to Tiger Brands, except that it's a lot smaller. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they so. they also don't really have focus. So um, what I like about Lipstar, though, is that they do some contract manufacturing as well, which is really cool and makes it a little bit more defensive. Um, RCL Chicken, Chicken and sugar, I'm not interested. Okay. Um, but Rhodes Food Group, or RFG, as they've rebranded, I actually think that's a super exciting business. Um, management has proven to be really good at bedding down acquisitions. They're super agile. They're always looking for opportunity. Um, so, so, yeah, that's actually the stock that I would prefer in that space.
0: Yeah, tell me, do you have any appetite for chicken? And this is the thing with chicken because it's something that we eat almost every day. But then you look at these food producers, the chicken producers, and it is, it's is—it's a mess. Uh, when was it last week or two weeks ago when Astral Foods came out with their, their trading update and expecting really, really just more pressure on their front? Tell me, what do you think of chicken? We need chicken.
2: <laughs> so, so this is, this is where you have... There's many jokes in there, but I'll we'll let them go. <laughs> I think, uh, the, the but poor business dynamics. So the the product that they produce has a huge market. People are willing to eat it and buy it. But however, the, the struggle is the business side. The business, the business fundamentals, the cost, the feed, uh, and so on and so forth. So the issue there, unfortunately, uh, in this case, uh, we as investors look at the business, not necessarily just the product. Yeah. So the product of itself as a huge market uh, and will continue to have one um, whereas the business the ability to produce that chicken profitably uh, seems to be a struggle in our part of the world.
1: Yeah.
0: Let's take a look at some of the updates that came out today um and specifically the commodity companies uh, Sibanya got a beating from the market; that share price down about eleven percent after their trading update. I don't know, but Sibanya. You know, has has been quite a firm favourite for the longest time, but I feel like there's there's kind of a cloud over 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 the stock uh, recently. Uh, Tam your thoughts on Sibanya right now?
2: Uh health and safety. I think that's their biggest struggle. Um, they need to get over that. Uh, Generally, as much as, again, as we like the product that they produce, which is gold and platinum, um, there's also the other side of how, how they go about mining it out the ground. Um, they've got a very, very, very difficult track record with in comparison to the, the peers. So I think if you look at it, especially if as a, as a fund manager, you've got strong ESG concerns, um, they, be, they become a, a problem over time. Uh, as a business, as uh, the commodities they're in very strong, but uh, the way they've gone about their their wage negotiations, as well as the health and safety issues, they are concerned.
0: Yeah. Um. Chantel, are there any issues that you are concerned about on Simanya Stillwater? Um, so, of course, we have production being um, hampered by things such as ESCOM. Um. They do have an. They have seen a kind of normalisation from the disruption that was um, that they saw earlier on in their SA gold, um, and and uh, PGM sites. So. How are you looking at, at, at that stock? Are you looking at it considering, you know, the, the, the current operating environment or kind of their future focus?
1: So I think I think they're doing all the right things in terms of future focus. Right. So mm-hmm. they're going through um, the battery supply chain um, story. They're investing in lithium. They're investing in a whole lot of exciting metals. Uh, for the future. Uh, PGMs, depending on whether or not you buy into the the hydrogen story, is also really exciting from a future perspective. Um, And the the fundamentals in that space is great. Um, But you do have a situation where Sabania, just from a legacy perspective, have uh, old, deep, difficult to mine mines, um, Mm -hmm. and that impacts their, their safety record, and it will probably impact their efficiency as well. And you will have near-term issues like we're seeing right now in, um, in the free state and in areas of Gauteng where they're actually planning on closing and ceasing production at some of their mines. Those labor dynamics will continue to play a role near term. Um, and then the other thing that I'm not convinced about, uh, I'm still not convinced by this Stillwater thing <laughs> in the U.S., yeah. um, It was a big acquisition and i don't think it's performing up to to scratch for them so they've got this operation blitz they mention it sometimes sometimes they just kind of push it to the side but there there are things Mm -hmm. that they need to sort out um in order for me to become really excited about the company but as i said i mean the the future plan the plan looks great yeah but it's a plan
0: um Tommy, are you excited at all about Anglo Gold Ashanti? Because um, out of the gold uh, counters that came out with updates today, it seemed like really the shining star production, I think up 20%. They managed to decrease their costs. Um, they seem to be really doing well. Tommy?
2: Yes, yes. They are performing well. Uh, I think as a business, generally, if you can if you can manage your costs, mining is a... Is a cost-based business because as 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 a miner, you're a price taker the price of your product uh, is set set by someone else offshore at london and in, in london medical exchange so you, you don't really get to control the price so you have to control the cost so because they are managing the cost side and they're doing well and getting the gold out of the ground meaningful to their bottom line uh they'll continue to do well i think the downside they have is they on a particular product, um, so other miners which have a broader set of or broader portfolio of of minerals they produce are preferred because you can then sort of find the other. Whereas with them, although they perform well now, um, the world is 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 quite volatile and can move away from gold, and that gold price could go against them. So that's the that's the real concern. But as a business, they are operating well.
0: Mm. Um, Chantal, on Goldfields, um, because it's, so both Sibanye and uh, Anglo Gold Ashanti seem to have drama. Um, Sibanye on the negative side of the spectrum and Anglo Gold Ashanti on the positive side. And then you seem to have Goldfields that was kind of in the middle, um, seeming kind of boring. They labeled it as stable.
1: <laughs> so, no, they have so much drama. They're just trying to uh, tone it down. Really? <laughs> They are trying to buy a super expensive <laughs> business, and they're trying to convince investors that it's a good thing. Um, so, I mean, it's it's really quite bizarre. the The proxy vote is next week, so I think that that's it why is. they're trying to. Or the general meeting is next. They're trying to kind of calm investors. Oh, yeah, no, we're just we're just going along. Yeah. Um, but this potential acquisition is huge, um, mm. and it is potentially transformative. Um, they're going to go, I think, from the sixth biggest gold miner in the world to the fourth biggest gold miner in the world. Um, although our gold analysts uh, or our resources analyst was like, but why? Why is that even necessary? <laughs> um, so, so there are a lot of question marks around this acquisition. And I think that the drama may not have played out today, yeah. but, but over the next couple of weeks when, when proxies need to be lodged and the management roadshow wraps up and that vote needs to go through, we, we might see some excitement in gold fields.
0: They're very clever because they definitely fooled me. And of course, even after, when was it, last week um, or a week and a half ago, they also had that independent evaluation coming up and mm. basically saying that it's it's not expensive. Um, Tammy, do you still have a wall, have you ever had a wall of doubt over, over this deal, this Yamana deal?
2: Uh, yes, I think the key the key the key element is the necessity of it so a lot, a lot of the time out in especially south african um, businesses go out and buy uh, alternative assets offshore and they normally take a hiding uh, the data is against south african management uh, with offshore acquisitions of any nature uh, with any business so you've got to question why they're doing it the rationale uh, if if the rationale was uh, to make sense as an investor And by sense, I mean the right price, right timing, with the the ability to state that they can operate it uh, in the same manner that they operate all the other mines they have, then that's a different argument. But uh, as an investor, you can have a good business, but if you buy it at the wrong price, you are burning us. So we will always look at the price in comparison to uh, the future potential growth. And we're relying on South African management to do that. And the track record of South African management both sure is not great.
0: Yeah, all right. Uh, there's a question here. I have to ask, um, should I hang on to my Alviva shares until they delist or sell now and move on? Do any of you guys look at Alviva?
1: I don't look at Alviva, but the same answer applies as was the, the story with Mediclinic. Yeah. Um, if, if the company is under offer and it's more they're straining around that, that, that final price, um, rather buy something else. Ah. Tammy, do you have thoughts on Elviva?
2: Um Look, the property sector in general is tough. Um, also, like I think, I think uh, trying to trying to time the market is always a bad idea. Before we even talk about um, the company in and of itself, just trying to time the market for an extra an extra basis point here and there, um, that cost is just too great. So, rather take your money off the table and put it elsewhere. Um, I think. the the sale has happened, you understand what's going on, Uh, there's a market for your shares, sell your shares and move on. Uh, Trying to find a few basis points here and there at the end might hurt you.
0: Mm. Um, Talk to me about the opportunity when it comes to the clothing retailers. So, TrueWords came out with an update today uh, saying that uh, their group retail sales for the 17 First 17 weeks uh, of the uh, FY23 year, increasing 15.5%. And that's actually been a trend that we have seen in these clothing retailers, including TFG, PIPCOR as well. So for me, I I think you would expect maybe some kind of divergence between Pepcor and, for example, TFG and Truett's that are trading in the higher end of the the, the market in terms of, of consumer income. But you, you're not
1: seeing that divergence. Chantal, talk to me about that. Yeah, it's actually quite an interesting one. So I, I think that when you're looking at TrueWorld specifically, um, they are a credit-based retailer. Um, and, and credit has been under pressure for, for some time. But it does seem as if this specific print that was much stronger than what we've been seeing out of them for the last few years was driven by an increase in credit extension. Um, and, and I think that, that is, that's a very important thing to remember. So you're mm. not going to get a similar growth rate, for example, out of a TFG or a Mr. Price um, that, and, or, or a Woolies uh. um, because they, they're not as aggressive in terms of their credit. Um, when consumers are under pressure, they do tend to trade down or they take up credit. So yeah. um, I think I would, I would actually prefer cash retailers in the current environment and probably uh, focusing more on, on discount and value um, and fast, or like cheap fashion, like we see with Mr. Price. So, um, currently, I mean, Mr. Price makes sense to me. Uh, TFG's, if I could have just buy jets on its own, but with TFG's yeah. management, okay. um, that would be great. And um, and I think Pepco, I think Pepco is going to, to do well in this environment. Yeah.
0: Tabby, do you have favourites in that complex, in that um, clothing retail complex?
2: Yeah, Pepco, definitely, without a doubt, I think. Uh, their, balance, their, their balance in terms of their clothing portfolio, their pricing, locations, I think they will do really, really well. I think the downside of any other retailer is not just the credit side, mm-hmm. because uh, financial statements and or financial information is looking in the rearview mirror. Yeah. So they have shown historically when credit was cheap. Uh, now it's not so cheap. So going forward, those numbers may taper down quite significantly. Uh, uh the view is also the supply side elements uh south africa needs to get things here and how they're going to go about that the logistics elements uh, those are really under pressure since covid yeah so there's a there's a lot of concerns around the pricing and the logistics and the supply chain management side Mm. uh, for a retailer which needs to really price products at a premium level uh pepco which doesn't need to do that i think will flourish uh their cost base is low their consumers are high in volume but not so much in price, so I think yeah. they 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 will be the winner in my view of of the retailers going forward.
0: All right. Well, let's quickly get to your stock picks for today, Chantal. What will it be?
1: Okay. So very different to Pepco. Um, the Richmond. Oh, <laughs> Probably very Probably the polar opposite. <laughs> yes. So, so my, my pick today is Richemont. Um, The share price has been under quite a bit of pressure. Um, and we are actually starting to see a little bit of momentum coming back towards the upside. Just forget about today. Today was about the, the Fed and the BOE. Um, but there does seem to be a little bit of momentum returning to that share price. Um, Richmond is one of the largest luxury retailers in the world. It's uber defensive, um, and they're doing some really exciting things around their their online platforms. Um, They've got a very strong balance sheet um, and a very strong management team. So a a really solid stock to hold in your portfolio, and I think you're getting it at a decent price right now at a pretty good technical spot. All right. On your side, Tammy?
2: Mixed telematics. Uh, they are a digital logistics firm, so they manage uh, the digital side of all logistics and supply chain management. And I think they're going to they're gonna be a key element in the world going forward, especially around uh, supply chain constraints with China being under the COVID restrictions, Ukraine, Russia, and so forth. Uh, we are big on monitoring supply chain because it's one of the cornerstones of business. So uh, we think a business like that would do really well, uh, especially with their data. Um, so mixed tic- mixed telematics.
0: Uh, All right, well, thank you very much for your time, guys. Uh, Thanks to my guests, Tamsan Nguaneta from Shiloh Capital and Chantal Marks from FNB Wealth and Investments. Do join me again tomorrow for the Friday edition of Stockwatch. The show now airs live at 1 p.m., but do send questions just before that. Have a good evening.